for those who are yet dealing with uh, breast cancer and the effects of breast cancer, family members and friends uh, that we know of who are affected by breast cancer. Amen. We speak the blessings of the Lord over your lives and over their lives. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 and 12, and I'm going to focus more so on verse 12 than verse 11, but it is a complete sentence, so I want to read it that way. Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should, be, should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I want to focus on verse 12 that says that God gave these gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. And there is no comma between the, the equipping of saints for the work of ministry. So God gave the gifts, uh, the spiritual gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher for the equipping of, of the saints for the work of the ministry. I want to talk about... <coughs> Every believer, a minister, take your responsibility. Every believer, a minister, or is a minister, take your responsibility. Lord, thank you for this opportunity now to stand in this holy place and proclaim your holy word. Thank you, Father, for your word that goes forth and does not return to you void, but accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you for prospering your word in the things that you've sent your word to. So, Lord, thank you for sending this word to us today. Thank you, God, for challenging us and our responsibility uh, to be ministers of the gospel. We praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you for what you're going to do through this word in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Every believer, a minister. Somebody say, every believer, a minister. That includes me. Amen. Amen. The Lord began speaking to me about this, uh, about every believer taking on the responsibility of ministry. When I was in Malawi the, uh, the other week and actually did a message on commitment, um, but just focusing in on every believer uh, taking the responsibility of, share, share, of spreading the gospel message of winning souls and making disciples uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know this is not a new message, all right? It's something that, that we've talked about, something that we've heard about if we've been in the church and paid attention. We've heard about it over and over again, but the Lord instructed me to talk about it again today, so that's what I am doing. Amen. This is a concern because there are so many people who have accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord and have been baptized and attend church, yet find that 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 they're still just sitting on the pews 
doing nothing, never really engaging in ministry, in the ministry of, of Christ, in the ministry of the Lord's church. <clears throat> there are many Christians, many people who are Christians who believe that a person should live their lives as they choose and, and no one has a right to challenge them to change, to follow Jesus' example, or to be engaged in ministry. Basically, you just do what you want to do. I mean, it's your life. You, you do it the way you want to do it. And it's not just a philosophy of the world, but it's a philosophy that has taken root in the church that, you know, you do what you want to do, you know. Um, then there are those uh, who've written a few books that have, that, that have talked about com consumerism religion, uh, where people in the church are just in church to consume the gospel, to consume the benefits, to consume the blessings, all right, and, and never engage in ministry, all right. And this is a serious problem, saints, because Christ, Christ has called each one of us to engage with him as he continues his work in the world to redeem the lost and to advance the kingdom of God. Every one of us has been called to be a part of what God is doing, to be actively involved in the work of ministry, not just coming uh, to the church and sitting down, not even just serving on the ministry of hospitality and saying, hello, how you doing, and smiling when people come in the church, or, uh, or an usher that passes out envelopes, to be actively engaged in spreading the gospel message, winning souls, and making disciples uh, for the kingdom of the Lord. One of the things that the Lord has pointed out to me is that many times, because the Bible does speak of individuals who stand, uh, <clears throat> who stand out as leaders, it's easy for readers and hearers of the Bible to get the idea and to draw the conclusion that, that there is a marked distinction between leaders and followers when it comes to ministry and that the leaders lead while the followers follow. And that translates into leaders doing all of the work while fathers come, sit, and learn. Uh, but as you sit and learn, there ought to come a time that you engage in ministry. Amen? And it shouldn't be after 20 years of being a part of the body of Christ. Amen. It should not be. It should be, you know, after you've been in new members class, you've been in discipleship training, in the process you get involved in sharing the faith. Amen. When you read the scriptures and you see um, the disciples, uh, one of Jesus' disciples went, I think it was Andrew, when he found his brother, when he heard about Jesus, he immediately went and he found his brother and told him about Jesus. One of the best times to engage in evangelism is after you have read it, after you have newly received Christ, and if you should be on fire for the Lord, immediately you start sharing the little bit of faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Should not be after 20 or 30 years of being in the church doing nothing. You know, you know. Uh, so this is, th this type of thought process is, 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 is terrible and is detrimental, um, is a detrimental understanding of New Testament teaching. Think about this. Think about this. God comes to the earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, right? Right? Amen. Jesus is God in human form, in flesh. Amen? Jesus is here to show God to us and to become the sacrifice for our sins. Amen? Thereby reconciling us to God. God in Jesus doing the work, doing the mission of the Godhead. Jesus fulfills his mission, all right, on earth, 
and he sends the Holy Spirit to continue that same mission. The third person of the Godhead fulfilling the same mission by filling and dwelling in believers and through believers accomplishing that very same mission, seeking and saving the lost. Rescuing the lost, amen, from the kingdom of darkness, Satan's kingdom, and bringing them into the kingdom of light or into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now note, the Holy Spirit dwells in and fills believers in Jesus Christ and uses us to accomplish his mission. All right. He does not fill and dwell in leaders only, but he fills all believers. He dwells in all believers, thereby giving all believers the responsibility of doing the work that Christ started, that God was doing in Christ Jesus. Amen. All believers. All believers. Amen. Not just a few. Not just a select group. But all believers. All believers, amen. Peter writes to the pilgrims uh, and as he writes, uh, and you read First Peter, or you read the book of Peter, and it says to the pilgrims, to those of the diaspora, to Christians that have been spread uh, because of persecution, they've spread throughout uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, okay? Second, uh, first, second Peter uh, 2 and 9. And he says, but you are, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, it wasn't just the leaders that were dispersed. It was all Christians. It was every believer. They were scattered because all Christians were being persecuted and all Christians ran for their lives. But everywhere they went, they were to proclaim the praises of the one who had called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature, a creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Amen. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or not crediting their trespasses against them, and have committed to us have committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And as we read these scriptures, we must pay attention to the plural pronouns. The plural pronouns. And he wasn't just talking about the apostles. He was talking about the body of Christ. Amen. He has given to us this ministry of reconciliation. Now, I understand that people come and they join the church for different reasons. But your sole reason for being a part of the body of Christ ought to be that you love Jesus, 
that you've received him as your Lord and your Savior, and you've committed yourself to living your life for him, spreading this gospel message to everybody you come in contact with, reconciling other people to Jesus. You don't become a, you don't become a part of the church so you can get blessed and get a new house. You don't become a part of the church so you can get blessed and find a husband or a wife. You don't become a part of the church because you're going through something and you need help. What happens when you get the help? You become a part of the body of Christ to engage in the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that mission is everything that we do in ministry. This is our ministry. We are many members, the Bible says, in one body. And the manifestation of the Spirit has been given to each one of us for the benefit of all of us. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Therefore, we must take the responsibility or take up our responsibility in doing the work of ministry whatever it is that God has gifted you to do. Amen. You got to do it. You just can't continue to do nothing. And it's not just your gift of singing. Because if you got a gift to sing, then you need to be going out on the street somewhere where there's some lost people and singing about salvation. You can't just sing up in the church because everybody, most people who come to church on Sunday already know Jesus. I can encourage myself at home. I don't need the choir to encourage me. My goodness, I was at my dining room table yesterday encouraging myself. I didn't wait till I get here for the choir to sing about Jesus. I sang about Jesus for a couple of hours. Are you understanding me? If you're just coming to be encouraged by the choir, you got the wrong you got the wrong perspective. If your gift is only for in-house, you have the wrong perspective. You have a ministry to go into the world and to win the loss for Jesus. People are dying in sin. Satan is killing people every day we live. And here we are, we have the message of salvation. That is powerful. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, unto everyone that believes. You don't, you got an anointing on your life. You don't have to say it like I said. It is the word that's already anointed. And if we can get the word out there, the anointing of God that's on the word will draw people to Jesus. Are y'all listening? Praise the Lord. Y'all glad to have your pastor back home? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad to be back home. Amen. Hallelujah. It's our ministry. Our ministry. And you got to think about this. Your gifts are not even given for you to enhance organizations in the world that don't glorify Jesus. They're not. If God gave you the gift, it's for ministry. for ministry. So while I was with Habitat for Humanity, I'm out there in the village, I'm praying, God, how can I share Jesus? How can I begin to talk about Jesus? You know, I said, God, connect me with somebody. 
you know. And so God connected me with someone. And so now I'm continuing that conversation because it's in my heart to go back to that village and plant a church. That's what's in my heart. That's what's in my heart. Man, so I'm not, not just going, doing social ministry. Anybody can feed the hungry. But you got to put Jesus in there because we're supposed to be winning souls. If you're just giving out food, I mean, that's social ministry. You know, you're just giving out food. You got to put Jesus in there. You got to tell them about Jesus because you want some souls to be saved. I mean, that's the purpose of following Christ. That's the purpose of this ministry. Jesus came to do what? Thank you. Say it again. He came to do what? That's right. Are people still lost today? They may not realize they're lost. Most of the time when you're lost, you don't realize you're lost. I remember one time getting on the interstate, went the wrong way, and I didn't know I was going the wrong way until I had gone down the highway a little while, a little, for a while and realized, oh, my goodness, I got on the wrong direction. I need to be going the opposite direction. A lot of people are lost and don't, they don't realize they're lost. People don't see anything wrong with the things that they're doing and the way that they're living, but they're not being exposed to the gospel. So whose responsibility is it to expose them to the gospel? Amen. We can't just, just come and enjoy the worship. We, can't, we just can't do this any longer. You know, we got to begin to take this gospel message out to the lost people of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And he said, Christ ascended on high and gave gifts unto men. To some he gave apostles, to some prophets, to some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the purpose of having a title and around around, I'm the apostle. I'm the prophet. I am the evangelist. That's not what the Bible says. He said he gave these particular gifts for the building up of the body of Christ for the work of ministry. That's why he gave these gifts. So anybody who's just wearing a title for the sake of wearing a title, you might as well take the title off. Amen. Because you're not doing anything. If you're just up here for the glory, there's no glory in this. I mean, when you do the work, amen, when you put your hands to the old people, you say, put your hands to the gospel plow. You're going to work. You're going to suffer. You're not going to be liked all of the time. You're going to sweat. Your body is going to ache. When I finished climbing up and down those scaffolding, my ankles were aching. Do you hear me? My body was tired. Amen. It's not just about glory. Glory is not involved in the process. We're not here to be glorified. It's about the work. It's about building up the body of Christ for the work of ministry. The gift is not about you. They're giving so they're given so that you can get caught up. They're not given so you can get caught up into who you are and what you have. They're given for the work of ministry. Yeah. So then you. If, if, if these gifts are given for the building up of the church, 
the members for the work of ministry. The building up of the church for the work of ministry. If they're given for the building up of the church for the work of ministry, then what should the members be doing? The members should be presenting themselves. The members should be presenting themselves so that they can be built up. So they can be equipped for ministry and then do the work of ministry. Yeah, that's what the members should be doing. That's what the body should be doing. Coming, and it should be a continual process. You know, continual process. So, you know, one day we should have a whole new flock of people in here that you are assigned to to build up. Now, how are we going to get a whole new flock of people in here? Pastor, you got to go out and win some more souls and got to get people coming. You say, no. Well, I need to see some more people. I need to see some more people. I need to see the pews filled. So I can assign you the job of building up some people in the body of Christ. Because that's your work. Going and getting them, coming and teaching them. I know it's not just going to happen like that. Okay? I know it's not. Because it hasn't happened down through the ages. Amen? So what is it that we can see in the scriptures that can help us in this process, okay? Uh, and there are several things that the Lord showed me, amen, uh, that, that about the early believers and that, that was necessary for them and that's still necessary for the church today, all right, that we must embrace and fulfill if the ministry is to, if we're to be advancing the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ in every generation. The first thing, and this is crucial, first thing that the Lord impressed in my heart, and I almost wrote a whole sermon on this. I know, I know, you know, I know every, every, every point is almost a whole sermon when I preach, but that's okay. All right. But, but, but I started writing a sermon on this, and then the Lord took me uh, in a different direction. But the very first thing that the Lord showed me was that the early believers were convinced about who Christ was. They were convinced about who Christ was or who Christ is. The greatest motivation for the early church was that they had been with the Savior. They were convinced of who he is. They knew he is the Christ. I, I have to say he is because when the Lord refers to himself, he says, I am that I am. They were convinced beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus is the Christ of God and that he was worthy to be worshipped, he was worthy to be followed, he was worthy of their allegiance. They were convinced. They were convinced. In fact, they were convinced to the point of knowing that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It was not Jesus and Buddha. It was not Jesus and Muhammad. It was not Jesus and Diana. It was not Jesus and somebody else. It was not Jesus and Zeus. It was not Jesus and Baal. It was only Jesus. They were convinced. Convinced. The whole of the New Testament was written because men were convinced of who Jesus is. 
They not only wrote, they were so convinced that they suffered for the name of Jesus, for the sake of Christ in his kingdom. They suffered persecution. They suffered affliction. But they also made a distinction between their lifestyles and the lifestyle of those in the world because they were convinced of who Jesus was. Shall I say that again? They were so convinced that they suffered. I mean, they, 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 they read Hebrews. Read Hebrews chapter, chapter 12 and read about how the saints suffered. You can read about Stephen and because of his conviction of who Jesus is, he was stoned to death. Nothing could persuade them that Jesus was not the Christ of God and that Jesus was not worthy of their allegiance and their worship and their following. Nothing. And they spread the gospel message and the Bible says they turned the world upside down because they were convinced you can't convince me that, that, and this is a judgment statement, and I reserve the right to make the statement as your pastor. You cannot convince me that most of us sitting in here today are convinced that Jesus is the Christ. The old people used to say, judging by your ways and your actions. Now, nobody else has the right to say that, ministers, but me. All right. Amen. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. See, when you're convinced about something, that's an action that's put behind your words. Yeah. You're convinced that you love your love that girl you pursue, and you're gonna pursue her. She convinced she loves you, she's gonna pursue you. And nothing gets in the way. Because you 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 got to have this person in your life. You spend all night long on the telephone talking, and you buy little gifts, and you send little messages on Facebook, and you know, and you go out of your way. Sometimes you have sleepless nights because you're so much in love with that person. <laughs> do we do the same with Jesus? We're so much in love with Jesus. Call all night fast and pray and see how many people come. Child, I got to go to work in the morning. I ain't got time to go over to that church and pray all night long. I need my sleep. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mentioned the fact that they were so convinced that Jesus is the Christ that they changed their lifestyles. They changed the way that they lived. And, and, and Paul taught, come out from, from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Now, as you hear me teach, I don't have to say that when you look at, look at Christians today, you don't see the same convincement. You don't see the same commitment. Because there's something among us in the church today that says that we got to be like the world, that we can't be different from the world. There's something that's, 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 I don't know whether it's in the food, it's in the air, it's somewhere. It's saying that Christians cannot be different. We should not be different. We got to identify. But there has to be a difference. The Bible says you put a difference between the clean and the unclean. There got to be a difference. There has to be a difference. Amen. 
There are places that if I go there, I should be going to win souls. There are places. That's why it, 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 it breathes in my spirit every time. This last couple of weeks when I was with the group, you know, and, and, and I know people come from different denominations and what have you, what have you, what have you. But, but still, without regardless of denomination, there is Jesus. And, 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 and it's, it's what really glorifies Jesus, you know? You know, what, what, what does it do to that, that, that person that, that knows that I'm a Christian and they see me doing some things that they know a Christian should not do? What does it do to them? You know, we don't want today in today's church, we don't want to deal with that. Because it does separate us. But Christ separates us. Be holy, for I am holy. Without holiness, no man shall see God. Separates us. Come out from among them, saith the Lord, not saith Paul, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What fellowship has light and darkness? What fellowship has Christ and the devil? Christ didn't go to hell to, 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 to unite with the devil. He descended into the deep to set the captives free. So what's the problem with the church today? We are not convinced that Jesus is worthy of our allegiance. We are not convinced that he's worthy of our worship. We come in half-hearted. We come in, we come in like, okay, this is all I got to offer today. I got a headache. I got a backache. I got a toeache. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endure to all generations. Ooh, I'm not convinced. You can't convince the devil that you're convinced. I read that scripture. Paul said in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 14 and 8, he said, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Y'all ever think about that? Do we ever think about that? When we make an uncertain sound, what is the strange sound that we're making in the church? Strange things that are not certain. People don't know whether you love God or whether you're following the devil. God, help us today. We're not convinced. You can't tell me you're convinced. Don't tell me, huh, judging by your deeds and actions. Don't say, Pastor, the Bible said don't judge. You didn't interpret the scripture right. The Bible said get the, get the moat out of your eye so you can see clearly how to get the beam out of other people's eyes. Have I not dealt with this from, with myself? 
I've dealt with this with me. So, and they were convinced. And being convinced, being convinced, they were open to revelation. Yeah, they were open to the revelation of God. That they would not have received any other, any other way. Just by being convinced, they got revelation. Whew. Revelation that they would not have gotten regardless of how intelligent they were. The scribes and Pharisees were intelligent people. They were well-educated people. Paul could speak seven different languages, well-educated. But until he met Jesus, he didn't have the full revelation of God. He talks about the mystery of godliness that was revealed to them. So don't tell me that you're educated and you are enlightened and you understand the Scripture. You're a liar. It doesn't happen that way. It only happens when you give yourself to Jesus and you're convinced and you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Revelation comes to the deep things of God. I ain't fighting you. I'm at the devil today. Yeah, they were convinced. Convinced. They got revelation of who God was. They got the revelation of who Jesus was. And they took that revelation and they changed the world. They turned the world upside down. Being convinced will make the difference. Lord, maybe that should have been my whole sermon. But I'm going to go on and finish this today. Amen. The second thing the Lord showed me is that you have to watch out for the deception and the entrapment of the devil. Amen. Be watchful. Be sober. For your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that scripture. We can quote it. Some of us can quote it backwards. We've learned that scripture. But it's so real. It is so real. Okay? And you got to realize where this teaching came from. It came through the revelation and experience of those same convinced people. Same convinced people. You have an adversary. Part of the deception, well, you have an adversary, and he disguises himself as an angel of light, okay, so that he can deceive you and entrap you. He doesn't just want to deceive you. He wants to ensnare you. He wants to entangle you. He wants to trap you up. You have an adversary. You have an adversary. Part of the deception is getting you to think that God must be wrong and the way of the world must be right because it seems right. It's like that old song. Well, this is not quite like the old song. Somebody wrote a song that says, loving you is wrong. Oh, y'all know it. <laughs> yeah. So, so you don't want to be right because you think God is keeping something good from you that you need to have. And that your life won't be fulfilled until you have that thing. Lord have mercy. But that's the same strategy Satan used against Eve. Same strategy. And he uses against the saints today. God is keeping something from you that you need to make your life fulfilled. 
when all you need is Jesus. When all you need is Jesus. He'll give you everything you need. Hallelujah. He'll bring the people in your life that you need in your life. He'll give you the job you need. He'll take you to the city you need to live in. Every, God said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. But you make up your mind, you got to do this for yourself. I got to do this thing because if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And so part of the entrapment is to entangle you with the world. And once you get entangled with the world, you become ineffective. You become ineffective in your Christian ministry. What happens is when you get entangled with the world, you don't want to be in, you don't want to be in the church. You don't want to come. You come because you're a part and you have to come. Because now you've gotten entangled with the world. You've gotten mixed up. That's mixing and mingling. It's not the same. It's not the same. So you begin to lose that fervor. You begin to lose that heat, that fire. And because we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, that sin nature begins to rise up. And you, now you started back feeding that sin nature. And that sin nature is not going to be satisfied. It's, it's like a hungry dog. And the more you feed it, the more it wants. You know, and the more you feed it, the more it wants. And it keeps pulling on you. It keeps tugging on you. And then before you know it, you're way off somewhere. And you don't, you say, I don't know how I got here. You know how you got there. You lost the fire. You lost the fervor. You lost the desire to be with the Lord. Because of the things that you mixed yourself up in. I was watching, I was watching the television show last night, and this young man was coming, he was trying to kill this, this, this uh, fire chief captain, I think it was 911, and, and, and the police officer, those two just, they just got married, they got married on the show last night, you know, <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, so anyhow, apparently his father had done something, his father had done something that was a crime, and was killed in the process. And he was blaming the police like a whole lot of folk do today. I know Black Lives Matter, don't get me wrong, but, but we need to do what's right. Now, if you're wrong, you're wrong. But if you're right, you're right. So what we need to do is we need to do what's right and stop uh, upholding people in their wrong. So he blamed the police officer and the fire chief captain because his daddy was killed. And I'm looking at the show saying, it is not their fault. It's your father's fault that he did what he did. And he was killed in the process. Nobody wants to die. But when you're doing wrong, bad things will happen to you sometimes. And so we, we got to understand, when there's been conviction in my life, I had to be honest with myself and say, I caused this myself. When I felt the Lord chastisement, I said, I brought it on myself because God chastises those that he loves. Oh, and I thank God he loves me. I thank God that he loves me and that he was willing to chastise me to bring about the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Are you hearing me today? Satan wants, he, he, he'll trap you. He'll pull you away. And before you get somewhere and you'll be saying, how did I get here? 
Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 4. He says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Then I skipped, skipped the verse and wrote this one. He says, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding. That's all I ask you to do, to, to, to do today. Consider what I'm telling you. And ask the Lord to give you understanding. Ask the Lord to give you understanding. Entanglement with the ways of the world and the things of the world is a trap that's set up by Satan. That's all it is. It is a trap set up by Satan to make you ineffective in your life and your ministry. It'll zap all of your strength. It'll take all of your desire to serve God. It means serving God will become burdensome because you chose to get entangled with the world. You say, well, I was tempted. Temptation is just temptation. That's all temptation is. That's why somebody wrote the song and said, yield not to temptation. Hmm. So consider, consider this. Consider what God said. Be watchful. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So to avoid the traps, we got to stay close to God. We got we to stay close to God. We, we, and we have to do what God says. We have to be strong in the grace of God. We have to stay in the word of God. When you sin, confess your sin. Don't try to justify yourself in your sin. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Last thing I'm going to tell you, and I'll, I'll let you go. Amen. We need to stay deeply involved in the fellowship of believers. If you are going to be engaged in ministry and be effective in ministry, and if you're going to resist all of this stuff that's out here, and there's a lot of things out here. There's a whole lot of things out here. You got your job. You got your family. You got your extended family. You got, you got your friends. You got, you got the social media. Everything that's pulling against. Everything is not feeding, it's feeding you spiritually. Many things are pulling against your walk with the Lord. Amen. And then all of this foolishness that you see in the church world, you read some stuff on Facebook, you wonder, where did these, these Christians come from? It's foolishness. And people buy into that foolishness because they say church. Huh. Stay deeply involved in the fellowship of believers so that you're learning, so that you're being available, amen, for any and every opportunity to engage in ministry. And you've got to be engaged, saints. You just can't sit down and do nothing expect fire to continue to burn. Part of the fuel is being engaged in ministry. That's part of the fuel. That's part, I don't care who hurt your feelings. I don't care who offended you. I don't care who stepped on your toe. I don't care who didn't speak to you. And I, I, I got to finish this point because it speaks to all of this. And it's speaking to the body of Christ. This is not just something that started in 2018 or 2019. So listen carefully. The gifts are given for preparing the body for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. To be prepared, you have to be engaged. Watching out for uh, any and everything that will hinder your engagement. What, what, what hinders you? 
from being totally involved. I mean totally. I'm not talking about half-heartedness because half-heartedness, if you half-hearted, that means the other part, the other half you already gave to the devil because there is no in-between, all right? There's no such thing as I'm serving myself. You ain't serving yourself. You're serving the devil because there is no in-between. There is no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Study the scriptures. There's no middle ground. All right? So you'll be totally engaged. Knowing that there is a deliberate effort by Satan and his imps to keep you away from the fellowship of believers. So, so, so the writer of Hebrews says, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. First thing, you got to hope. Hold fast to it without wavering. All right? Okay? For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. All right? All right. All right. So to be prepared for ministry, for work of ministry, you got to present yourself for preparation which involves the fellowship of believers, stirring you up in love and good works. It is not just the pastor. Get this, saints. Get this. It is not just the pastor who has the right to encourage you. Every believer in here has the right to encourage you and stir you up to good works. Everybody. When they see you acting funny and acting strange, they have a right to come to you and say, Sister, what's going on? Sister, be encouraged. Brother, be encouraged. Brother, you, you're, not, you're not on your game like you, like you normally are on your game. What's going on? Don't get upset with people. Say that. You see if I'm going to get offended if you tell me I offend you. I did something just a few weeks ago, and the brother came to me and said, Bishop, I didn't like what you did. I said, I'm sorry. I apologize. What would I look like getting upset? Well, I'm the pastor. I got a right to offend you. Are you listening? We have a responsibility. And the problem in the body of Christ is, is that we don't, some of us don't want anybody telling us anything. And that's a problem because when you don't want anybody telling you anything, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. It's not wrong with the other people. It's wrong between you and God. Get this relationship right between you and God. And you can receive instruction. You can receive rebuke. You can receive encouragement from a brother or sister who loves you. This is the body of Christ. And the only way you can... Y'all listening. How many people have left this church alone because they've been offended? That's just crazy. It's just really crazy. It's immature. It's not crazy. Forgive me. It is immature. It's immature. Let's go down a little bit further. Okay. All right. Gifts are not only given to prepare us for work of ministry, but to help us mature in the faith. That's why I can challenge you in ways that nobody else can challenge you, but other people should be able to. So you might get mad at me, but most of the time you ain't going to tell me you're mad at me. <laughs> You'll take it long enough for the Holy Ghost to let it simmer in you, you know, 
Yeah, and you come back the next Sunday, you see Bishop, he don't mean any harm. He just telling you just like, just like the Lord gave it. He, he just love us anyhow. Because when I finish telling you what the Lord says, you know I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. I might invite you over to dinner. I might cook some macaroni and cheese for you. I don't show no distinction because I ain't mad at you. I'm mad at the devil. Oh, if we can just, oh, Lord, help us. So we got to mature in faith. Now, notice this scripture. The whole of Paul's theme here is maintaining the unity of the spirit. Read it. It's a capital S. It's speaking of the Holy Ghost. There's a unity of the Godhead. It's not talking about the unity of the body. Because, see, y'all can be unified in spreading gossip. Some folk can be unified in causing division. Some folk can be unified in, 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 in immoral, immoral behavior. That's not the kind of unity it's talking about. It's the unity that's been demonstrated in the Godhead. Read it. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. His whole theme, his whole theme, he deals with spirit, as he deals with spiritual gifts and the responsibility of the believers, is the unity of the spirit in the body of Christ. Now, he said we're to maintain that unity. Maintain that unity. The unity of the, that, that's demonstrated in the Godhead. There is one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is one God, not three different gods. There is no division. There is no schism. There is no argument in the Godhead. And for the body of Christ, we are to seek to maintain that unity. How can I help maintain that unity? I humble myself to you. Humble myself to you. You humble yourself to me. If I tell you something, I'm not telling you because I'm trying to hurt your feelings. If I tell you something, I'm not telling you because I'm trying to get in your business. And stop this stuff about where you know some people, they just gossips. Well, let's, 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 let's watch gossips who gossip with people. Because some folk calling other people gossip, they gossip too. <laughs> Gossiping. They won't tell nobody because all they're going to do is gossip to talk about it. Well, we got to grow up. So we stop talking about things that do not matter to us. The, the per, people's personal business, you have no business talking to someone else about it. No business. You hear me? If somebody comes to you and tells you something in confidence, don't talk to anybody else about it. Go to God in prayer. If they didn't tell you to tell me, I don't want to hear it. You can kill this gossiping spirit. You can kill this lying spirit. When folk come to you with mess, tell them I'm not a trash can. Keep your mess. Kill it. I don't want that. We're sitting at the table. I really am almost finished. <laughs> We're sitting at the table one day, and the conversation came up about President Trump. Lord have mercy. And one of the ladies said, I don't need to hear this this morning. She got up and left. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this 
because he's still the president of the United States. And it's time for Christians to understand that the Bible says pray for those who are in leadership. You may not like him. You may not like what he does. He may do some strange and, and ungodly things, but the Bible says pray for him. We have not seen yet why God allowed him to be president of the United States of America. Now, if we will be submissive to God, we'll zip our lips, except we pray. So spiritual growth and maturity, amen, is part of the work of ministry. You're not going to be effective in ministry until you grow up. And God has said, God has placed these gifts in the body to help you grow up. And remember that we're to maintain not the unity of the body, but the unity of the spirit. Maintain the unity. How can you help maintain the unity of the spirit? How can you help maintain the unity of the spirit? Yeah. Yeah. So, saints, every one of us is called to be ministers of the gospel. I know I said a lot today. You probably need to go back and get this text message and listen to it again. But, but God has called every one of us to be ministers of the gospel. There's no such thing as you are saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you can't be saved without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You cannot be, all right? Because that's on, the only way that you're part of the body of, the, of Christ is that the Holy Spirit must do that. The baptism is immersion into, all right? Denominations teach, teach it different, but we're talking about the same thing. You can be saved and not filled. You're to be, filled, being, be being filled every day. But the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. He makes you a Christian, all right? So, there's no such thing as you being immersed by the Holy Ghost in the body of Christ, and you're not engaged in ministry. And I want us to get this concept out of our mind that we have two lives that we can live. Your whole life should be a Christian life. Your whole life should be engaged in ministry. Ministry at home, ministry on your job, ministry in the community, ministry in the body of Christ, ministry when we go into the world. Your whole life. Every one of us. Every one of us. Not a select few, but every one of us. There are things that will stop you. Stop allowing those things to stop you. Things that will hinder you. Stop allowing that. You have authority over those things. You have, you have authority over your life. The Bible says resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Yeah. You, you have access to what you allow to offend you. You do. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Sometimes hurt feelings are good. <laughs> but you even have access as to how long you allow that stuff to... When you understand what the scripture has said that we're to be doing as the body of Christ, as we maintain the unity of the spirit so we can be effectively engaged in ministry. Then we'll be what God wants us to be. Let's stand.